0: Words Women and Wisdom Radio Show, streaming live from BBS Radio in California and syndicating to over 100 stations globally, including iHeart and iTunes. And I'm joined today by a special guest. Now, if you listen to the Words Women and Wisdom Radio Show before, you will realize that it's all about showcasing stories of women who've risen from tragedy to triumph, typically, and are now out in the world doing really interesting or amazing things in their community, or globally. And very often I showcase women entrepreneurs, I showcase my clients, I showcase women who have touched my world, touched my soul or my spirit for one reason or another. And today's guest, Sarah Brunil, is certainly one of those people. So I'm going to formally introduce Sarah, um, certainly when it comes to the opportunities for gathering information. I think that this is a really inspiring story that you'll want to listen to. We are going to make a couple of of, uh, announcements towards the end. Sarah has something that she's uh, got going on, which is really important that I want to share with you. And also, I'm going to be sharing a free gift with you as well. So welcome, Sarah. You're dialing in today from North Carolina, right? Yes, I am in the Cherokee area?
1: Cherokee, North Carolina.
0: All right, welcome. So by way of an introduction, Sarah is not the typical entrepreneur that I interview. However, I am deeply connected with her family and I know of her work and she is one of those young souls who is quite striking. Striking because of her resilience and the size of her heart, and what she gets up to in her community. Sarah is one of three triplets. So it's funny, when I talked to her mom initially, and I said, how old are your kids? And she said, 24, 20, oh, I think at that time she said 17. Um, and I said, yeah, 17 and... No, they're 17. Like, excuse me? Because <laughs> um, I knew she had three children. And that was because they were all the same age. They're all, um, at the time, they were all 17. Now, Sarah is uh, now, am I sharing this publicly? You can. 20, 24? Okay. So during her life, what I wanted to note, uh, to, to make really noteworthy with regard to Sarah is her journey. It's been an interesting journey, starting at uh, age five, and I will let her share more of her story. But this is all around the power of sharing a life. And if you have ever wondered what it's like to be needing to have an organ donated, you want to pay close attention to this story. If you have a colleague or a friend or someone who you know, who is in need of a donation of an organ, you want to pay close attention. If you're a young woman who's struggling to stay in school, and wondering if there are supportive friends and people who care out there who actually are resilient, yes, you want to keep listening. And obviously, if you're intrigued to learn more about the world of Powerful words, powerful um, ways to elevate your confidence as a young woman. As the author of the best-selling oh, that side, <laughs> just moved offices. Um, the author of the best-selling book "Words, Women, and Wisdom: The Modern Art of Confident Conversations," I share tips and insights with my clients that are all around helping them ask for what they want and get it using powerful language, switching up different things, using the power of pause, using ways to be assertive but not aggressive so that women can ask for everything from more money, uh, a salary increase, a promotion, a bigger contract, clearly articulate their value and their services, negotiate at home for time off or their family to be participating in all activities It's powerful when we change up our words. So I'm looking at life through that lens. So welcome, Sarah. You've now gotten through um, a really critical phase. You're just about to graduate college. So congratulations on all of your hard work. I want to go back, though, and start at the beginning of what would only by most people be considered a really challenging time. You were five, right? Yes, I was. So tell me the story. What happened at age five for you?
1: So as Yvonne said that I was born as a triplet. Um, when I was born, um, both my kidneys, one was working at 10% and the other one was working at between 30 and 40%. And both of them were not doing well at all, where at the age of four, I was put on dialysis for four Uh, for 10 months and then after that when I was five I received my first kidney transplant from my mom and then that actually lasted a good 15 years before I started to reject and I received my second one when I was at the age of 20 from an anonymous donor but when I was five years old I just remember going back and forth Between doctor's appointments and then with my sister and brother, um, I still was out there playing around with them. And then every night at 7 p.m., my parents put us to bed and I got hooked up to the dialysis machine for 12 hours. And then at 7 a.m., they took me off of it. And then I started my day all over again. Wow. But that's I'll have to remember back then.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I wondered how much of it you would remember because we haven't had a detailed conversation about this part. Um, but certainly, you know, when we think about uh, typically a child's personality, they uh, the psychology books very often say it's formed before age six. So obviously, that would have deeply impacted how you grew up and who you are as a person. What do you think was the biggest takeaway? that you learned during that time? I think
1: my biggest takeaway from all of this is everything that I've been through, like my health and my struggles with my health, um, put me to who I am today, where um, I look at everybody the same as nobody's different in how they look or how they act, you know, because everybody has different issues. Some people have health issues like I had or have, and then some people are completely normal. I don't look at people who um, look different than us. Everybody looks the same in my eyes on who they are or
0: who they're not. I can hear, uh, I can hear deep gratitude coming through there. And certainly when we look at, you know, I've, I've seen pictures of you guys the three of you <clears throat> at varying stages of growing up. And yes, your brothers and sisters were considerably taller. I mean, your body needed the energy to be fueled towards healing and um, to be adapting and embracing that new organ. And it does take its toll. So yes, while you, um, you know, in stature, might be smaller. Oh my gosh, your personality is just so vibrant and your heart is so big. That's partly the reason for wanting to share these insights today. So I want to come back to something you shared. Um, Your mum donated her kidney. So ladies who are out there listening, just kind of throwing that out for you to ponder on for a moment. If this was your child, would that be your response? Would you be also willing to donate your kidney? to save the life of your child? Because I don't know how it works in the US. I'm dialing in from the base of the Rocky Mountains in Calgary, Canada. So how does it work for being on the donor's list to receive a kidney? I mean, would that even have been possible at age five? Or would it just be that there was such a limited supply of kidneys that might fit within your small frame then? or be a match, like how does that work? Would you have even been eligible to receive a kidney then? On the the regular list?
1: So actually when I was, um, every hospital seems to be different. I realized on what age they could get transplants at and stuff like that. But my particular hospital um, wanted me to be 25 pounds. And both my mom and dad actually tested back then, and they were both a perfect match. But since my dad was way bigger than my mom, my mom's body was more smaller where her organs were smaller where it could fit into my body. So that's why they chose my mom to be my donor at the time.
0: Mm, Got
1: it. But speaking about when you brought up about the height difference between my brother, sister, and I, um, I did get bullied for that all in school about being short and my medical health. And that's also why I look at people the same and not different because you never know what somebody's going through. Um, there's nobody should be bullied because you don't look like that person or you're not the same height because you're not growing at the
0: mm-hmm. same
1: pace as others. No. So you should always um, look at people the same besides differently
0: yeah we're all people we're all individuals and certainly Sarah I can relate to what you're saying and you know my son Alex he's now 24 as well sorry 28 he just turned 28 um who's also a special needs um child and you know when he was growing up People, well, even when he was a baby, people would look at him and say, wow, he's got a really big head. Well, he did have a big head. And later on in life, you know, we found out why. There were some abnormalities in his, um, you know, physical, um, physically how his brain was structured that was causing him to create more brain fluid. And he was swelling up. But people, people can be so unkind, right, because they look. And even on the outside, although he's not in a wheelchair or um, anything that's physically disabling, he's different, right? And when he starts to talk, people start listening and expecting that he's a regular kid. And then when he starts talking, especially when he was little, he wasn't very clear in his uh, sentences and people struggled to understand him. And so it was a constant, well, what did he say? What did he say? What did he say? Um, What happened, though, um, in his case is he was so adorable like his energy was just the energy of love that we would walk into stores and the sales clerks a lot of them being girls women um would look at him and he'd say hey can I have this and it might be yes it might be a no but if it was a no from me for whatever reason they'd say oh he's so cute let me give it to him let me buy it for him <laughs> let me just gift it to him And after several of those instances in a row, I just had to say, okay, stop. He's not going to learn the value of money if everything is given to him on a silver platter. So I had to sort of reframe that. But he was uh, two and a half before he started um, having the strength in his legs to be able to walk. His balance was off because he had one ventricle larger than the other. Kind of like walking with, um, when you get out of a swim and pool with your head, being you know full of water your ears are full and you don't have your balance and so he was never able to ride a bike as a kid and even with um us you know wanting to put stabilizers on a bike um by the time he was ready to do that and had good enough balance to even be on a, a tricycle type um bike he was um he was more advanced in his emotional awareness. He's like, no, I'm not going to be on a tricycle. That's for babies. <laughs> so it can be challenging. So what would you say to those kids out there who are, you know, I say kids, I mean, it could be any age, but who are being bullied. What would you say to them? What, what advice, what guidance, what tips got you through that phase?
1: Honestly, When I was in school getting bullied, I did not, like, let it affect me. Don't let your emotions show when the bullies are bullying you, because then they will continue to bully you. Yes, I did not let my emotions show in front of them, but I still got bullied by some of the same bullies. But um, once I got home, I let my brother and sister know, since obviously we're in the same school and had some same classes together, they would either um watch out for the bullies and talk to them or um just like keep an eye out for me and like I also let my teachers know like hey can I leave class early because this is the particular time when I'm getting bullied by the same bullies where I did not um get bullied again from them. So I left you know school like 10 minutes early before the bell ring so I could get to the bus area on time. And I didn't get stopped by the same bullies anymore Mm. or just learn to um, walk a different way from where those people are happening. But sometimes um, anybody could just randomly start bullying you, even if it's not the same people, you just got to stay strong when that happens and either speak up or just like, let it not affect you in person when they're around you. And Um, just open up to your close family and friends behind closed doors where don't let it all get in your head where some people have suicidal thoughts. Like I never had that, but, um, I know people when I went to school committed suicide because of bullies or you see on social media where they commit suicide because it's so much on them. But for me, I just learned to open up to my family and not let it to affect me.
0: Yeah. It's such such great counsel, Sarah. I mean, certainly having strategies in place to know how you can deal with it. How can you draw on the authorities that will be able to do something about it? How can you um, request exceptions so that, you know, like getting out of class a little bit earlier so that you are not in that situation? I mean, removing yourself from the situation and not, not reacting, right? I actually talk about this, this topic in my book of reaction versus response. It's very different, right? When we're choosing how we're going to respond to something, it's a calm, measured approach with strategy and different suggestions. When we're reacting, it's usually an emotional outburst and it might not be consistent and it might not have the outcome you want. So um, taking a pause to think about Um, not showing it on your face that this is something that's hurting you, taking um, the power of, you know, certainly in your case, you've got the power of three, right? Some two additional um, triplets in your family in your same school who can also be part of that solution um, makes a big difference. But if you're not a triplet, if you're, um, um, you know, by yourself in that school, employ some of the strategies that Sarah's talking about, and she's very kindly offered up her her contact info, so you can certainly reach out after this interview. If something touches you, you have queries, you have questions, you can reach out to Sarah through her Facebook page, Sarah Bruneel, B-R-U-N-E-E-L. So bullying is such an important topic. We're in mental health month right now um, in the U.S. in Canada, so I consider bullying to be a mental health issue. Would you agree with that?
1: I do agree with that. Yeah, one hundred percent.
0: And I think it's it's great to see that there is more awareness around it. You know, we've got Pink Shirt Day and various other um, ways that we're now acknowledging that not only is this happening, but there are things that we can do about it. The schools have started to take more ownership around some education around this support, um, making sure that you're not hiding it. You're not covering it up. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's the other person's issue. If they're picking on you, it's not yours. And so don't own it. Don't let it get in your head, as Sarah says, because that's when things will fester and spiral and potentially derail. And in today's world, it's not only about being bullied verbally, like physically um, with somebody. A lot of this happens now online through different chat groups and different chat forums, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, that actually happened to me in high school. Um, I was bullied, obviously, in person, but they also brought it up to social media on Instagram, too. And I found out by my friends sharing it to me, or my siblings will see it because somebody sent it to them where. They, like, took a picture of me either in school or off my social media and just started, like, bullying me through their captions and stuff like that. And I realized some bullies are not happy with themselves, so they pick on people who are not like them, so they feel better about themselves, which kind of sucks at the same time. But you just got to be strong and get the help you need if you need the help. Uh, For me, I didn't need the help because... I just, like I said, I did not let it affect me in person or in front of them. I kind of just let it out at home yeah, where everybody at home would know. But there's also, like, um, a lot of therapy people could go to nowadays for the bullying situation and stuff like that, which is another
0: option for people. Right. So <clears throat> life is a triplet. I'm curious uh, to learn a little bit more that how was that growing up? Like, what would <laughs> what would be some of the pros and cons of being one of a uh, one of a set of triplets?
1: Um, I honestly, I think we all love growing up to being a triplet because you always have a best friend growing up. And like as most singletons, you don't always have an older sibling or a younger sibling. And you never have, like, a best friend there sometimes. But, like, for me, you always had somebody to play with. Like, my sister and brother, if one wasn't around, the other was around. And we always did something together. We had, um, in our backyard growing up, we had um, playgrounds. And we had um, a basketball net where we just, you know, always played with each other. Then the garage was turned into a whole playroom where we literally always played with each other. Um we had games Uh, my parents had a pool table we always did something together where you always have a best friend to talk to and hang out with when as if you're a singleton sometimes you might not always get a friend to hang out with because your parents are always busier or uh, you don't have older siblings or younger siblings at the time but sometimes the cons could be Sharing a birthday sometimes when you want to have this when you want to have different plans growing up, but we all have to agree on one item, which we always agreed agreed on the bowling alley when we were younger, and then through like middle school and high school, we grew um we agreed on swimming. Excellent. So we always had a pool party, um, in middle school and high school at okay. the community.
0: Well, I, ha- I have to say, Sarah, having just moved house recently. Um I realized that when we're having birthdays coming up or other celebrations from here on, it's going to be about experiences um, or consumables. It's not about stuff because the amount of stuff that we found and we'd only been in that that house for 12 years, the amount of of stuff, oh my gosh, it was like, where did all this stuff come from? So experiences are things that obviously we can hold in our hearts, we can take photos, we can be in the experience. And that's really what I think life is all about. It's not about, you know, collecting actual physical stuff. Sure, it's cool to have, you know, the latest phone, the latest toys, technology toys. Um, I really believe though that COVID has been a great awakening for so many people of what's really important in life. And it is about the relationships, as you shared a lot of your resilience sounds like, you know, it comes from support of friends and family, support from being um, one of a triplet. And in terms of resilience, I mean, Mother's Day is coming, you know, you're a young woman, you're not a mother yet. Um, But in terms of lessons that, again, you would like to share on this whole topic of resilience, what do you think has contributed the most to your resilience mm-hmm. obviously you went through a lot of um hardship if i can use that word um with your health challenges as a kid and then also you had a, a second kidney donation at age 20 right how does that how all these things lead into resilience and what again what could you share about building resilience for others listening
1: Honestly, I think my resilience comes from everything I've been through and being strong throughout everything that I have been through with my medical, um, issues. And especially like when I was 19 and my kidney went into failure, like I really like opened up as an adult being like, whoa, like this is my new life. Like I need to get a kidney transplant. I need a kidney transplant. And my family tested, and I am. Um, after my dad could of donate to me, um, he he and I like got questionnaires and set that up and posted it everywhere where uh, family and friends starting to, started wanting to donate to me, and um, like I just really opened up about um, organ donation, and everything like that, about being a strong woman and. Everything that I've been through, I'm like, oh, I have to do this now, and um, I, I was also in school at the time too, so it was a lot of work. But you know, I I made it through. <laughs> um, you, you just gotta be strong and put your when you have something that's on your mind, you just have to like put your mind to it and not keep putting it to a stop or like, oh, I'll do this later and not now because later may never come. You need to kind of do it now as you think about it, and um then you could be you could turn your whole life around and be resilient that way
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I mean certainly um you know growing up um you know you know a little bit of my story you've you know, I think you've read one of my books um you know growing up with with my dad, I mean, totally different from yours, um, who I totally respect. And again, you know, once again, um, you know, sincere condolences on the passing of your dad last year. Um, We've had, I know, I, I grew up watching my dad, who was, you know, what I thought was angry and mean. It turned out that he actually had PTSD from coming back from the war, getting a bullet in Dunkirk. And... It, uh, he never was treated for PTSD. Hundreds of thousands of men came back, and they never were treated. There was just too many, and I don't know whether his pride would have allowed him to get treatment, anyways. But he showed up as a very angry man, criticized my mom so much that she literally lost her dignity, going from a professional woman to being a stay-at-home mom, raising two young girls. And he, you know, he had turned on me when I was eleven and screamed when I failed an exam by two marks, screamed at me that I would never, ever be successful in life. Well, thanks, Dad. I'm about to go to high school, right? (laughs) Yeah. So when we go through things that challenge us, um, I think that it does cause us to initially sort of, whoa, you know, go within and get shaken by it. And then as we look through the lens of what else have I been through in my life? we can draw strength from those things that we know we did th- survive through. I mean, even the basic pieces of you know kids who are getting up again and again and again as they learn to walk, right? We've all had scraped knees. I think I looked down one day when I was six or seven, and I was like, oh, my God, I don't have a Band-Aid on my knees because <laughs> they're not scraped. Um, that's the first time ever. <laughs> um, but those things you know, once we've, once we've been able to move past it, and it sometimes takes a long while, actually, for me, it took about 45 years to actually, you know, take that emotional shield that I had put up when my dad was so mean with his comments. And I ended up losing my voice in high school, because I was just so stunned about what he said. And could it possibly be true? I didn't, I didn't want to even speak up. Um, And I put the shield up to prevent that emotional charge or his mean words from really touching me and impacting me. And it was about 40, yeah, about age 45 that I finally put that shield down and decided it was keeping me small on the other side. And it was time to start spreading my wings and doing some different things. And since then the experiences of, you know, growing as a executive coach becoming a best-selling Author, um, show, radio show host, all of these things that I do are built on not wanting any other woman to go through what I went through and what my mum went through, which was not having the words to be able to speak up and ask for what you really want and get it. And you have obviously learned how to do that in spades. So I know that you've organized a number of different events over the years. Um, Certainly, I was down in North Carolina last fall. Um At the time when you were organizing um, a um, uh, an event to try to put the awareness on a donation organ donation for one of your friends, and I think that's still going on, right? Is he still yeah. on the list, Sarah?
1: Yes, yeah, so um my friend Teril slash my brother <laughs> um we actually met through one of the transplant groups after I had my second transplant. Um him and his wife actually moved to Colli, North Carolina. That's about 30 minutes away from me or so. And we have become family since over the past couple years. And he actually had a kidney transplant, like I had too. And now he needs a pancreas transplant. Oh my
0: gosh. And
1: at, um, listed at Duke Hospital over in Raleigh mm-hmm. area of North Carolina. That's on the other side of the state. So we're currently doing um a bake sale fundraiser May sixteenth on a Tuesday between one and four PM. Yes, one and four PM um to raise money for expense expenses for hotels, gas and medicine, co pays and whatever else has to be covered with expenses of going back and forth. Cause once you receive a transplant, you don't end there. You always have appointments, especially when you receive a new organ, you have follow-up for the first year and for like the first month or two, it's twice, if not three times a week going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Either that's going to put a lot of miles on your car or you stay in a hotel over there or Airbnb over there where that also adds up with money. So we're starting to do fundraisers for him, where he doesn't have to worry about um, not being able to afford um, some things, and plus he'll be out of work for a little while mm. while he um, has his new transplant organ transplant.
0: Right? Do you know but, how? Do you know how close he is to sort of the top of the list? Does anyone let you know what the the expected? Timeline is, I mean,
1: any Actually, kind of and what that he, looks like for with pancreas transplants. There's not a lot of people that need pancreas transplants, so there's always a short list. Mm-hmm. And like, he just got listed, so he could be getting a transplant for, for example, he could be getting a call at like 5 p.m. today, and we have to go all the way over there, or he could get in like a week or two, or three months from now, or six months from now. Mm. There's not that need pancreas transplants, so he's like that but whereas uh, people that need kidneys, livers um lungs and other organs like that hearts and stuff like that that could take up to years like for me mm-hmm. they said it could take up to three to five years but um if you have a living donor, especially with kidneys you could have a living donor with kidneys um that could take um, sooner if you have a living donor which, is why I'm so um about living donor donations and living donors and then having on your license because if you pass away and you're just brain dead for example um you could donate your organ to organs to anybody out there that needs an organ. Um for so, him so- transplants you get any moment They they never tell you when you're going to, like, I just went to a a class with him at Wake Forest, which um, I've been to the same class four years ago, but um, now, because I really paid attention to the class because I'm older, um, they said that you never know when you're um, next on a list. They don't tell you until you're, they get a call saying they have an organ, and they tell you um, number one and then they have a backup person. So right. you could be the backup person if um, the person number one doesn't answer their phone or um, um, is it a perfect match at the time when they're doing a, another test on them. Well, but um, you just never know when you're going to be next.
0: Yeah, this is such a such an interesting world and so heartfelt, um, Sarah. I mean, you're, you're taking your own experience and your own strength and resilience going through this now twice and how can you share what you've learned along the way how can you be a compassionate supporter for your friend Um, the fact that you met during a program um, and have continued to stay in touch um, and want to continue to do these things together is incredible Um, you're also graduating college with what's your designation going to be again um, I graduate
1: my associate's in medical office administration on May 20th. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>!
0: <laughs> so medical administration. So how does that connect to being in the medical world? What are you going to hope to achieve in, in the way of a, a first role? What do you want to do with that education? Obviously, it's supporting and leveraging your own medical experience. But what impact do you think that could make?
1: So, I actually haven't graduated obviously yet, but I have applied to the Cherokee Hospital um, early last week um, because it takes about a few months for them to reach out to you. Mm -hmm. I'm really wanting to work in a hospital field because of everything that I've been through. But with my degree, um, I could do anything about medical records or um, patient access, like anything along um, stuff with the computer of patients. I could do anything with that. And, um, that really like opens my eyes because obviously HIPAA, I can't talk about anybody's, um, yeah. lives or anything like that, but I get to learn about some patients as well and what they've been through, whether it's the same or totally different than me. But also next year, um, I'm going to take a year off of school mentally with everything that's going on with my dad passing away and then, um, a new baby and everything else. And I'm trying to get my big girl job at the hospital and, um, just take a whole year off of school. And then I'm going to go back for a business degree mm. uh, at Western for my master's and bachelor's, my bachelor's and master's. And then, um, with that, I could potentially open my own medical office or, or hospital with that if I wanted to. And then um, I could get people in there, like, who basically share the same story as me. And obviously, all their great nurses, doctors, and everybody out there. But, like, I could share my story with everybody there. Um, Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. I
0: um, I I just love listening to women who have a passion they're uh, resilient, they're determined, and they're, they're doing it. They're not just talking about it. They're doing it. Um, so congratulations on that. Um, certainly, if you can support people through the medical records piece, which obviously is so, so important to have that, you know, working smoothly because, you know, data, record keeping, just such an important part of this whole collaboration, especially for, you know, complex projects involving multiple people like uh, donations, etc., cetera, um, open donations, um, but not quite being on the front lines as a nurse where you're going to take all of the other people's trauma and injuries and keep that in your soul because I know that it touches you deeply and carrying that would be such a heavy weight. So I'm so thrilled that you've chosen to leverage your experience in the medical world, to help others, but doing it in another way that keeps you whole in your own energy. I understand that you set up a GoFundMe campaign as well for Tremel. Okay. Um, so I will get the link from you for that. And I'll include that in the show notes afterwards. But again, if you're listening to this, And you are also touched by Sarah's story and what she's up to with the bake sale, with the GoFundMe campaign, really looking out for her her friend and trying to see what we can do to speed up that organ donation process. Um, If you know somebody who is in that space where they're not sure if they wanna be an, um, uh, an organ donor, please, in Canada, we have it on our driver's licenses. So when you go to renew your license, let them know, just check off the box that you're willing to be an organ donor. So that's right on our license. I don't know if they have a similar approach um, in the US to yeah, acknowledge.
1: Yeah. We'll have, um, a box for that too, for yeah. organ donations.
0: Yeah, it's just so, so important. I mean, you can take it with you. So you may as well give the gift. Um, we actually had a, um, an accident up here about five years ago now where we had a number of um, hockey players Uh, that were on a um, a bus, like junior hockey players that were on a bus. And several of them got killed. And one in particular went on to become an organ donor. And I think that he's impacted the lives of six other people through donation of different organs. And uh, his life, yeah, his life is now giving lives. So I think that's a great title for for this show. So get in touch with Sarah. Um, through her Facebook page, Sarah Brunel. So uh, S-A-R-A-H-B-R-U-N-E-E-L. So you can learn more about, you know, if you're in the North Carolina area, great. Come to the bake sale. Um, It's on May 16th on Tuesday between 1 and 4 p.m. And the details will be posted, I'm sure, on your Facebook page of where that's being held. And then also the GoFundMe campaign. What can you do to support Uh, Trumel so that he can have not only the life-saving surgery but also all of those extra expenses as Sarah shared that come along with you don't just plop in a, a, a transplanted organ and that's it there are so many more things that come up that have a cost associated with them over you know at least the first year after that so whatever we can do to help to raise the awareness Sarah That's the beauty of having the words women and wisdom radio show it does stream live on on bbs radio out of california and it also syndicates to over 100 stations globally so i'd like to encourage each of you to consider making a gift in honor of sarah's resilience in honor of her story and go to that gofundme page connect with sarah reach out have a conversation if you have a child who has a health challenge um, so it could be a fantastic resource for you if you're in the North Carolina area, or you just want to make a donation, like go to the GoFundMe page, because you can make a difference. You can change a life by your donation. If you're wondering about what I've mentioned earlier, the best-selling book, Words, Women and Wisdom, The Mugger of Confident Conversations, you can actually pick up a three chapter excerpt of my book. And that is my free gift to you today. For listening, for honoring the work that Sarah has been doing throughout her life without even realizing that it takes work. <laughs> she was just being herself. And yet, I think that what you've been up to is certainly noteworthy. Um, I don't know that many young women who have your strength and resilience and your perspective and your, um, you know, your common sense, the practical head on your shoulders combined with such a such an open heart to be helping other people. I know that you did an extremely good job with yourself and your um, siblings and your mom with the beautiful service that you had for your dad, um, being instrumental in coordinating. I saw you scurrying around doing lots of things there, along with um, uh, Rachel and Matt as well. And this is a GoFundMe opportunity. So if you haven't thought about using GoFundMe for these types of activities, it's an incredible platform, not only to raise awareness, but to raise funds for things that might not typically get funded. So the best selling book, if you go to the link um, or go to uh, HTTPS, of course, online, uh, bit.ly B-I-T dot L-Y slash 44. Zero, actually no, it's an O letter O, four four small letter O and L, capital C and then lowercase V V, and I'll put that link again in the in the show notes. So Bitly b i t dot l y backslash four four lowercase letters O L capital C and then lowercase V. V. you can pick up a three chapter excerpt of my book. That's my gift for you for today. So Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. I know that you have a very busy schedule. You're in that, uh, you know, that that last phase of getting to graduate. Congratulations on all of your hard work. All of you uh, have accomplished so far. Also just for being you, for being the kind, generous soul that you are and sharing everything that you're sharing to make a difference in the world.
1: Thank you. I also want to mention um, most people don't really realize about organ donation unless their family or friends have been in their shoes or like in my shoes on, oh wow, they really need it. Like no one really thinks somebody needs an organ because they never think it's going to reject or fail in their Mm -hmm. lifetime Some people don't find out until they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s, so on and so forth on organs. Like I found out when I was born or my parents found out when I was born that I was going to need a kidney transplant. And most people don't realize that until they're in our shoes. Oh, um, we have to do something about this or else you're not going to live like you could live Mm on dialysis for so many years and dial you could pass away on dialysis which has happened to a lot of people too, if you don't get an organ time, where I'm very vocal about organ donations and doing fundraisers for Termel. And um, we actually have a group out there on Facebook too, um, the gift and love of hero donors and um, recipients out there uh, for people who have been in our shoes and we all share our stories. And like every couple months or so, we all meet up in Western North Carolina to share our stories and see or um, recipients like me who had a transplant. And there's people out there that need a transplant. And then there's also people who have been donors that showed up to the meetings to ask right. for my mom and other strangers out there. And that's one of the events I have posted before you guys came in town or right after you guys left that one time. And um, it's just to raise awareness of donate your life, donate your organs. If you're not going to be using them when you pass away, obviously, mm-hmm. share them with people who need them, like let them have a life. Um, because like for me, I could have passed away at the age of five. Or again, at the age of 20. Mm-hmm. And here I am at 24 years old and living life from an anonymous donor. And she saved my life and so did my mom. Where I could still be living life. Um, and that's what I want for Termel and everybody out there that who are in my shoes. I want them to have a life because nobody wants to lose a close family member or a close friend that um passed away from an organ donation not having an organ donations it yeah. already hurts enough when you lose somebody from cancer like I lost my dad and grandpa from cancer and my great great grandma and um or from a car accident or something like happens in life at, like that from suicide from like what we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. it hurts losing somebody and it would definitely hurt Losing somebody from not having an organ where there's not enough living donors out there to donate a kidney. Most people need kidneys, but there's a lot of organs out there that um, you could save about 12 to 13 people's lives. You could use your eyes, you could use your tissues, you could use your hearts, lungs, kidneys, livers, pancreas, and intestines and all that good stuff where people could live a normal life again. It's you never live a normal life because we live off of medicine twice a day for the rest of our lives it doesn't matter what you go through like um i'm very fortunate to be um an enrolled member of the cherokee eastern band of the cherokee tribe where my stuff is free but as in my friends that have been through this that i have met over the times and like terminals they're not fortunate like i am where they have to pay co-pays for their medicines and like for me um, I had to pay for gas and hotels for my transplants going back and forth because the tribe does not cover that. They only cover my medicine. Yeah. but for all these people they have to cover um, all the gas hotels, um, airfare if they have to fly and medicine for the rest of their life where wow. that's why I'm doing a laser for Tamil. So he could at least have his first year covered and doesn't have to worry why he's out of work type of
0: thing. That is just so honorable, special, touching. um, And I have such a huge amount of respect for what you're up to, Sarah. I want to thank you for joining me today. Um, We have to wrap up the show. Um, If you're, again, curious to learn more about Sarah, please do connect with her. If you're interested in her journey, if you're interested in participating as a donor check the box when you have your license on your card make sure that your family and friends are aware of your wishes so that there's no debate about that later on that you've been clear and most importantly out of this conversation check out the gofundme page see what you can do to make a difference in the world using something that costs you nothing it's it's your own body parts. And I know this has been an interesting conversation today. You might not have thought about this this perspective before. So thank you, Sarah, for for deeply sharing. And um, I'm going to also spend the next five minutes of the show just before we wrap up to actually air a little bit more about the power of your words. You've used your words today, Sarah, in a very powerful way. And that's what I encourage all women to do is speak up, be heard, um, share your value, share your story. And Words, Women and Wisdom is the VIP community to do that in. That's what this show is all about, sharing inspiring stories. So I encourage you to come back in a couple of weeks. Um, Join me on my Facebook page. Join me on LinkedIn. YvonneSilva.com is my website. Let's stay connected because there are more inspiring stories and you too can also make a difference. Thank you for joining me today, Sarah, and stay tuned for a few more minutes. Um, We're just going to run a little video about the book launch for Words, Women and Wisdom, the, the book, and I hope that you'll pick up a copy of that as well. Thank you so much for today, Sarah. Ladies, a new book is on the horizon. Words, Women and Wisdom, the modern art Confident Conversations. This new book is for women ready to rediscover their inner confidence, take a stand for themselves in life and business by using more powerful language. Words are so powerful and have already changed history. On October 5th, the New York Times published a story detailing decades of allegations of sexual harassment against film producer Harvey Weinstein. And numerous women in the entertainment industry found the courage to go public, banding together with a powerful voice that change is long overdue. Even Oprah Winfrey, television network icon, gave a rousing speech at the Golden Globe Awards in January. The media has showcased the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund. The Me Too movement is flourishing and all signaling it's time for women's equality and change. I believe it's time to give women the verbal agility to create more confident conversations. Words, Women and Wisdom The Modern Art of Confident Conversations is the book which provides practical approaches for women to ask for what we really want and receive our request. Hello. I'm Yvonne Silver, certified executive coach and senior HR professional, seasoned in business. I teach women to flourish in business by using more confident language to help empower and engage others. This book is the result of over 35 years of my career, professional career, working in four different countries. I've interviewed over 6,000 people in my career for job interviews, executive coaching, for sales and consulting conversations. And I've listened to hundreds of women in particular who are looking for a better way to collaborate. They're looking to be uh, asking for what they really want and heard and validated, especially in business and women often earn less than men for doing exactly the same job. It's 2018, it's time for change. The modern art of confident conversations explores words we use at home, at work, words that trip us up, elevate us and encourage us, and when no words are even required. It is about how to leverage the power of words in a positive, in a collaborative and impactful way. Now, I work with women entrepreneurs and leaders who are empowering other women and leading through mentorship programs and my coaching, public speaking, interviews, and writing. I'm passionate about women's equality. Why? I grew up in England in a house with a flow of negative comments from my father, which destroyed my mum's dignity until she became an empty shell of the vibrant woman she'd once been, belittled by. Constant criticism and questioning of her abilities. Through my own life journey and supporting hundreds of female clients, I've discovered critical words to ask to get what we really want collaboratively. I know there are critical links between our language, our behavior, our mindset, and our success in life. Words from a song can replay in our head for hours, and poetry can bring a lump in our throats. I've combined my insights with interviews from influential women sharing their pearls of wisdom supplemented with research and reference studies from established scholars. Women are rising up. It's time for women to be heard. Let's use more powerful, positive language and join the rising tide of change. This book is for you, a woman looking to the future ready to embrace significant positive changes in your life by using more confident language. Eliminate those words that drain your power, add words that energize and invigorate and shift from ordinary to extraordinary. Just one word can change your life. I believe every woman needs their own copy of this powerful book. It's time for action and time for change. Order and reserve your own copy of Words, Women and Wisdom today.